Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Three wins and uh, f- what is it? Four games since uh, uh, McDavid went out? Yep. Pretty good. So I'm doing good. That is unexpected. That was a huge win today and a really well, a hard won victory for from the Oilers. I think the scoring chances were 14 to 12 for grade A chances, if I'm not mistaken. And for Carolina, had the slight edge, but um, mm-hmm. the Oilers really played well. They, they, they have, they have, they're Bruce. They're a strong trapping team right now. They're playing very strong neutral zone defensive hockey, and um, it's looking good. It's working out. Well, our colleague Kurt Levins noted in yesterday's game report that the Oilers are, I think he said, 22 wins, one regulation loss, and two overtime losses when leading after the second period. So make it 23, one and two. And of course, some, a lot of those are, you know, you have a nice lead and you just hold it to the end are pretty routine. You expect a winning record, but that's very good. And you know, I was with a one goal lead in the third. Uh, I, as a fan, am becoming more secure just kind of watching them, even though they did give up the tying goal today. They didn't get caved in the third period when you might think that the, they might run out of steam, but they, uh, they really didn't. Yeah, it was uh, just, just such a strong checking performance. So this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's a um, a win, we're going to have two good things each. What's your first uh, good thing? Well, I got to go, go with Josh Archibald, who had I thought just a tremendous game today. Uh, even without the two goals, uh, he was very, very good. He was uh, he was a key. He and Riley Sheehan were uh, the keys on the penalty kill. They each played. The Oilers were shorthanded for six minutes in each of. Uh, of Archibald and Shane played four minutes, 36 seconds on the kill. And some of that, of course, was Carolina controlling the puck so they couldn't make any changes. But some of it was those two guys getting the puck down the ice and getting on it and keeping the play down uh, uh, at the good end of the ice for a while. And uh, they've, they've emerged really as a very strong penalty-killing duo. Well, Archibald, he also, he drew the penalty that uh, led to the 2-2 goal when he got involved with two different Hurricanes that went after him, and all three of them went to the penalty box, and all three of them got to watch the goal that resulted on the power play, but only one of them liked it. That would be Josh <laughs> Archibald. And then he emerged from the penalty box, they put him right out on, uh, on the ice, and the very next shift he scored a really nice goal to make it 3-2, where he first of all uh, made a good play to keep the puck in at the, uh, at the blue line, uh, he, he, he defended the boards on the blue line, made a good play to pick the puck off, did a give and go with uh, Tyler Benson and walked in front and just roofed a top corner like a, you know, like a, finished it like a sniper to put Oilers ahead three to two. And that looked like it might be the winning goal for a good long time. Well, they didn't get it, uh, the win, because Carolina tied it with five minutes left in the third. So in overtime with no McDavid, you know, I my wife and I had this little battle before overtime. And I said, well, who's going to be the fourth forward? They'll start with Leon and and, uh, and Kyler. And then uh, they'll have Nuge and who? And maybe it'd be Bear and Nurse. Or And she said, well, I think Archibald. And I'm thinking, okay, he's as good a choice as any from the rest. Well, <laughs> they wound up doing both of those things. Uh, Nuge's first shift was with Bear and Nurse. And then uh, in the fourth minute of overtime, they put uh, 
Archibald out there, and what does he do? I think it's his first shift overtime of the year, if not his career, and he scores the game winner with another excellent finish from right in front of the net. Same place he scored the other goal, but this time low stick side. He beat Reimer clean, and that was that. So uh, his line dominated shot shares at even strength. He led the team in hits. He led the team in blocked shots. He led the team in shots on goal. Like, What's not to like? He was brilliant in this game just been playing so well that whole line has been playing well and uh, she, more expensive she, by the she, week sorry yeah possibly bruce possibly it is uh my good thing is leon dreisaitl what a fantastic game he had um you know he uh drains the first goal absolutely drains it um what a great shot he's got sets up archibald on the winning goal and uh the sets up gets yamamoto um, I don't. What's the Yamamoto play? I, I, I had some PVR problems, Bruce. So Dreisaitl I, I, shot the puck uh, from the wing, and it wasn't so much a pass; it was a shot that rattled off a guy and went to Yamamoto, and he hammered it and hit the post, hit Reimer in the back of the skate, and bounced in. It was you know the Oilers got a little bit of puck luck on. Oh that. yeah, and I, I'm very good shot yeah. by Yamamoto. Also, beat yeah. Reimer clean, just couldn't beat the post, and then they got the got the friendly bounce. Yeah, our our PVR got wiped out by a vacuum cleaner hitting a power bar incident at one point. So yeah, I, I got a little discombobulated watching the game. I saw all of it about about it, except for about three minutes in the end though. But uh, Leon Dreisaitl now, Bruce, he is running away with a scoring title. He's got ninety five points in fifty nine games. The next guy is eighty two points in oh. sixty games. David Pasternak. It's a huge, huge lead, and. Uh, you know, I, I understand Elliot Friedman. I didn't hear him say this. I just read it. So apparently, Friedman said on that that Drysaddle is either the favor should be the favorite or he's in the running for the MVP award. Did you hear what he said on Hockey Night? Uh, I, one of those things. He certainly he certainly uh, sang his praises and said that he was, uh, uh, you know, certainly <clears throat> in the conversation, which was more than all those oddsmakers were saying yeah. a week ago. But the week that's followed, I mean, they've gone four games without Connor McDavid. Uh, Dreisaitl has taken the, the reins as a team leader, there's no question. Uh, the Oilers won three of the four games. They scored 14 goals, and Leon's got 10 points in the, of the 14 goals. Like, I don't know what more you want from a player than that. Maybe, uh, now that McDavid's not, not around, maybe uh, some will clue in that it's not just because he happens to be playing on, not even on the same line, but on the same team as Connor McDavid, that maybe Leon is a pretty good player in his own right. Hello? Yeah. Media? It, Hello? it was two weeks ago that, that I read the latest kind of thing about the Oilers being a one-man team or a two-man team. And I, and I wrote a post at that time saying, like, you are not watching the Oilers this year, if that's what you think. And you can go back and look at the post. I just sent out the link again because it was, it's been clear for some time this is a really good hockey team. And Bruce, they got they have seventy points. Guess what? They're, they're two points behind Colorado that has seventy-two. They're four points behind St. Louis for mm-hmm. the lead in the Western Conference right now, seventy-four points. So they're kind of, you know, it's it's all close all the way through there. Right. But I mean, we've been looking down so long at like uh, how they compare to Vancouver, Vegas, Calgary, Arizona, all those teams. Like for the first time, when I looked at the standings, it made sense to kind of look up at who's ahead of them and we'll see like I, this is a this is a solid team they, as long as they get good goaltending and they have they've had that on this road trip 
they can win hockey games because they have defensemen. They've got some defense. They've got seven defensemen who can play, including Chris Russell, who's been hurt. Seven defensemen who can play. They've got a, a really solid checking line, and now they've found magic with this uh, with this new uh, with the Leon Drysaddle trio, my corny nickname for them. Uh, uh, just just romping through the NHL right now. Like no one's no one's stopping them, and uh, Drysaddle is just playing. He's just so. He cranked it up in overtime at one point, and he was just traveling so fast up the ice. He just just rocketed up the ice. He's playing with such determination right now. It's it's just it's thrilling to watch the player. Yeah, yeah, he is a fun player to watch. There's no two ways about it. They're, they're, you know, the breadth of his game is just astonishing. And some people do, and I mean, we do ourselves focus on the mistakes and uh, that he makes. Uh, you know, which are which are part of the package at this point in time but he does so many things well and and on you know deep defensive plays batting pucks out of the air intercepting pucks uh passing it off of both sides of the stick one-time shots protecting the puck in the corner taking face-offs which he did have a little struggle on the dot today but you know there's just there's just so many things that he can do, and you know, killing penalties like in the third period when they were when they were knuckling down, hanging on to a one-goal lead, he was out there helping to kill the penalties down the stretch, and uh, you know, and he is the team's first choice at three-on-five. Like you know, the, just the he's got so much game, David, and and still still growing into it at 24 years of age. You know, like what's the upper ceiling here? I'm not sure we've seen it yet. Yeah, when did Phil Esposito reach his prime? I mean, the oh, yeah. late twenties, right? Um, mid twenties, yeah. Mid twenties, yeah. Uh, what's your other good thing, Bruce? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Tyler Benson, uh, local product uh, from uh, um, from uh, Edmonton Minor Hockey, uh, Southside Athletic Club, I think it was. Anyway, uh, yeah. he's played. Uh, he had a, a kind of an iffy first two games, both in Edmonton. I'm sure he felt a lot of pressure uh, in the games here. He didn't get a lot of ice time. And then he got sent back down, and then more injuries happened, and he was the first guy called up. And he got put in the lineup yesterday, and he responded with two really good games. I liked his game yesterday, and I liked his game even more today. And I liked his defensive positioning. I liked his, you know, his... his uh, his compete and his ability to, you know, to win battles and make good, smart passes in his own end of the ice. Like there's not a lot of panic in this player for for an early rookie. And then, of course, a very nice give and go with uh, Archibald to earn his first NHL point on a, you know, primary assist, which is his game. I mean, he's a, a passer first and foremost. So that's a real nice way to get on the scoreboard with a, you know, a key play on an important goal in a win. So, yeah. welcome to the NHL, Tyler Benson. And boy, we've been waiting for you. And uh, this weekend gave us a lot better taste of what we've been waiting for. Yeah, I, I've been saying like he's an elite, like he's he's a strong passer. Like he's got yeah. NHL. That's his that's his special skill. And I was kind of the first few games, I was feeling a little sheepish. Anyone watching him who hasn't seen him play in the AHL would think like this guy. What does he bring? But he was he was out of sorts. He he hardly got any ice time in those first two games. Yesterday's game, he was good. Today, he played his A game, and he was really smart with the puck, mm -hmm. which is what he is. And that pass to Archibald was a really fine pass. It was right zipping right on the tape. 
Um, you know, just just an excellent pass from from Benson. He made them all game long. He was composed. And that's his game. He's just a smart player with the puck who's good on the boards and is responsible defensively. And um, I love that line right now. That's a that's a fantastic line. That that uh, checking line with with Benson on it. So good for uh, Tyler Benson stepping up like that. Bruce, my other good thing is uh, Darnell Nurse's play in overtime. He's kind of his sprawling. You know, he did get beat on the breakaway. Um, there, uh, by was it Netchas? Is that how you pronounce it? Netchas? I believe so. Net- is that net- who it was? I think uh, it was. Who beat? At, who beat, beat Nurse? He, oh, yeah. he, he had a partial breakaway there, but mm-hmm. Nurse kind of caught up to him. And mm-hmm. Netchas tried to, to pass the puck then, and Nurse just made a great sprawling um, overtime heroics move. And then the, the other overtime heroics was Mike Smith, of course, with that great save on Sebastian Ajo. So, um, well, yeah, just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and, that, and I'll just segue really quickly to my bad thing, Bruce, because the bad okay. thing happened on the same play. How was that not a penalty on Leon? That, that guy tripped. He took Leon Dreisel's feet from under him. It's a key mm-hmm. moment in the game. Like, that is a brutal call. It could have cost the Oilers a point. could theoretically mm-hmm. cost you being in the plus. Now, I know it's a bang-bang play, but it, it, that was a pretty obvious trip. Uh-huh. Took his feet right out from under him. Had a stick in there even. But really, it was a trip with your foot. I mean, Yeah, he, he just he just took him right down and out. And got a two, almost a two-on-o breakaway. Other than Leon tripped him back to at least take Svechnikov out of the play. But Aho walked in alone after that. And if he scores there, you know, it was it was definitely endangered clipboard season. Because <laughs> that would not have sat well if that had turned into the game-winning goal. Ooh. Instead, Smith came up with a, at least one stop. I think the second one might have been off the post. but It was off the uh, side of the net, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, outside the post, I mean. But it was, uh, uh, Smith stood tall there. He also made a, a great save off of Tara Vine in about 10 seconds into overtime. Uh, and had some yes. good moments. The nurse play that you referenced earlier, he made, uh, not only did he slide to wipe out the pass, but at full stretch, he hooked the puck, which was still loose and dangerous with That's two right. Carolina guys around. He hooked the puck away from both of them and into the possession of an oiler. That was a real uh, uh, a real kind of hero, what I call a hero play from uh, from nurse, and it worked out. I guess he's... Uh, he's Attended uh, Chris Russell Hockey School, and he uh, well, they all he got a snow he got a snow angel right today. I see some Chris Russell in Clefbaum's game and in Nurse's game. More in Clefbaum's game. I mean, Clefbaum's sure. just kind of he's he's upped his defensive intensity quite a bit, and I think we see it in the the high numbers of shot blocks that he makes. But Clefbaum has mm-hmm. has watched Russell carefully, I think, and is a much better defensive player than he was, I think, even last year or the year before. So, uh, yeah, Chris Russell's had a bit of an impact. Um, Bruce, what is your baddie? Well, I'm going to, I guess, go for the two penalties the Oilers took in the third period, defending a 3-2 lead, uh, both of them in the offensive zone. So, uh, I mean, there are times for offensive zone, like some people hate all offensive zone penalties, and I don't mind, you know, they're puck battles, and sometimes you have players that that are real aggressive on the puck and they're going to just take their their penalties here and there. But when you're defending a lead, unless it's an ozone turnover that looks like it's going to be a jailbreak the other way, you got to mind your P's and Q's a little bit, and especially when the Carolina fans are going, ref, you suck, and you know the refs have got the rabbit ears on and they're going to look <laughs> for any opportunity they get. 
And Kara, I think he was a little unlucky. Like, I think that was more of a clumsy penalty than a, than a dumb one. Like, he just lost his balance and he wiped the guy out and the ref called it. Um, and they killed that off. And then Colby Cave, I don't know what he was thinking, just thrusting his stick into the guys, between the guy's legs, you know, like 160 feet from his own net. You just can't do that. And, I mean, the penalty killers had both of their backs, killed both penalties off, but the penalties themselves <clears throat> led to the stress and, the, and you know, they played their part in the third period that saw Carolina out shoot Edmonton 10-3 to and largely possess the puck in Edmonton's end of the ice and, and uh, uh, getting put on the defensive for two minutes at a stretch twice uh, didn't help that cause. Yeah, indeed. All right, um, let's go to, uh, I'll, well, why don't I start with my number? Okay. Um, my number is 151, and that's the time on ice, Leon Dreisaitl's last shift in overtime. He was out, his first shift in overtime was 111, which mm-hmm. was kind of a normal length shift, but 151. He was stretching it, and he was kind of dogging it, Bruce. And, it, you know, he was kind of, slough it off okay you take that guy the fast guy in the defensive zone is like the fast guy you take him i'll take this guy who's standing still and as soon as that guy started to move it's like okay i'll take the other slow guy and you take the guy who's starting to move here so leon was kind of uh looking like he was bogged down with fatigue and he definitely was but he sure did crank it up bruce what an amazing play that was he just cranked it up and uh you know he had been conserving his energy for about 20 30 seconds there and mm-hmm. he, he found enough in him to rush that puck down the ice and set up Archibald. So uh, another one of those shifts where if he had been scored on would probably have been my bad thing, I have to, if I'm completely honest. Well, he got tripped. <laughs> what was your bad thing? I mean, that was part of yes, that shift, right? That, oh, my, yeah. It's just, it just was this endless shift. Mm-hmm. It just kept going on and on and on. And he found a way to, to conserve some energy and um, make that great play. So, Wow. That's the, that was now that was a Phil Esposito shift if there ever was one you know back then the two minute shift wasn't it was fairly common I think um, and we've already talked about this how in the in the fifties the three minute shift was kind of right. the norm so uh, Esposito he, used to do that too or even yeah, Esposito took very long shifts oh long. definitely yeah but uh, I I didn't mind his switch off with Clefbaum. I thought that was good communication where the guy Smart. cut across yeah. the middle and Clefbaum had and Leon just left Oscar to switch with the guy who was doing the cross crossover and he just stayed with his man. Uh, the other thing that I did like from Leon in overtime was the first shift uh, was, and this is not necessarily his forte, a very good line change after a minute and 10 seconds uh, when, he had, when he had the puck and he was under pressure and instead of... T- doing the backhand pass across the ice into open ice. He made a smart back pass to, I think it might have been Yamamoto, I'm not sure. Anyway, teammate outside the blue line, meaning no scoring chance, but maintained possession while Leon got off and Nuge came on. And, you know, that's what you want to see. You know, you don't necessarily have to go for it all on every shift. Um yeah, Leon didn't want to come off the ice on that second shift at all. Because there was a moment where he had a chance, I think. He wanted to decide the game, though. And that's what and great players did. want, right? And he <laughs> did. So that's what makes him, that's what could make him MVP of the NHL. And he's got to be, I mean, this is this has been, you know, no, of course no one wants to see Connor McDavid get hurt. 
But in terms of Dreisaitl's reputation and kind of putting to rest this this mm-hmm. time, really tedious at this point for this team at least this you know that this one man team yeah. narrative that a lot of people have going on like uh, yeah. you know there was a one man team right there and it's not it wasn't Connor McDavid as, as fine a hockey player as he is Bruce what is your number Gino Malkin says hi yeah, uh, yeah. that's exactly I, the same deal yeah yeah my my uh, my number is uh, six O and O which is the Edmonton Oilers record in back-to-back games this year in the second game of the back-to-back, which is often considered to be a schedule loss. They have won all six of their back-to-back nightcaps this year, five of those games being on the road, which they typically are. Usually back-to-back games are both road games with travel in between, as was the case here. And this particular one was especially epic because they played... Uh, four games in uh, six days uh, with moving up in four different cities with start times moving up. Like the four games were in under 120 hours, or you know, technically under five days to play the four games. And to have the kind of juice that they did and the determination and willpower that they did to, to uh, uh, come out of a tough, tough barn in Carolina with two points. Uh, you know, hats off. The other surprising number is 5-0-0, which is their record in road matinees this year. I was going to just ask you about that. 5-0-0, 7 against. This is a different Oilers team, Bruce. I'll say. <laughs> all right, What's should they jack it up? Success in matinees? Should they oh, go that, all in on the trade deadline? Should they uh, try to get in? You know, they do have that extra player on defense. They got 7-D. They could trade one of them. Well, if all seven were healthy, they'd be better positioned to do that. Um, uh, they have, I mean, their big trading chip, of course, is Poole Yarby, who, uh, if, depending, on, that, who they're, depending on who they're trading with, um, you know, some team that doesn't need them before the deadline because they're out of it, that might say, well, that's a pretty good prospect. We can get it. Uh, anyway, there was two trades today, and neither of them involved the Oilers. With uh, They both involved New Jersey Devils, who moved... Uh, Andy Green and Blake Coleman to contenders. Well, where'd Andy Green go? I've been busy all day. So he went to where did he go? He went to Islanders, and yeah. uh, Coleman went to Tampa. Coleman went to Tampa. Yeah, yeah for uh, Adam Foote's kid, uh, Nolan Foote, and a first-round pick. So that was a high, high price to pay for. Uh, wow. For yeah. So because Nolan Foot is. Is it the he's defenseman? A pretty good, yeah, he's he a the forward good. Of the, he's got two kids. They have forward and a D yeah. man. I just remember being a Team Canada player and uh, what's you know, his name? So Nolan Fearman just Nolan Foot, here. Yeah, a pretty decent uh, prospect near as I can recall. So for him and a first rounder for for Blake Coleman, that's uh, that's a pretty good uh, uh, that's a pretty good return for New Jersey. So, so n- yeah, Nolan Foote was, he's a left wing, 6'4", mm-hmm. 200 pounds, first overall pick, 27th overall in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so he's just one year past that. He's only played 26 games this, this year, 33 points. He must be injured or, or was injured at some point. I'm not sure. Right. So, yeah, they the essentially gave up two lowish first-round draft right. picks. And I don't think Foote's trended down in terms of his values. I don't know about this injury, but, um, oh. but uh, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Wow, Tampa, a, it'll be a low first rounder this year as well, of course, because Tampa is going to be 
first or second in the overall standings but when it's all, all said and done but so they paid a they paid a a dear price to add a productive Coleman. cheap forward 1.8 million dollar uh, multiple time 20 goal score you know i mean these these uh, scorers scoring forwards are not coming cheap so before you go off the head and criticize Ken Holland for not getting Blake Coleman, consider that cost, right? That would be like Edmonton giving up. Well, well like Sam Rukov in their first, and right? First. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's I think Sam Rukov is a pretty, you yeah. know, based on his play in the Memorial Cup last year, I mean, he was only, he was a third pick, but he's, he trended up to having the value of a low first round pick, I would right. suggest. So that would be, that would be a pretty dear price to pay. Hmm. So you're obviously gunning for the cup, uh, for sure. But listen, Tampa, I guess they are. Yeah, well, but what about the Oilers? They got Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle in their prime. They got Clefbaum in his prime. Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear. They got if they got two good goalies. If their goalies are playing well, they got they got lots of foot soldiers. Bruce, this is a team that could get through the Western Conference at this point. And um, fortunately, I'm going to England in late May. Oh yeah. Yeah, yikes! That's a questionable planning by you. <laughs> <laughs> we planned the trip in uh, a couple months ago. So oh yeah, that's my During hockey season. Stick, stick to it. Yeah, I know we're all used to Oilers season being over on April the sixth. Yeah, right? I know. I've been worried the last month <laughs> about this, and uh, it's looking more and more like a real. Okay, well. All right. Well, let, let's yeah, let's see what happens. It's nice that we're talking and even thinking about the, the not just the playoffs, but the the possibility that the Oilers might have a May. decent enough team to to go through a couple of rounds. And yeah, let's uh, let's see. But uh, the team is giving us lots of lots of reason for optimism, playing through such a tough stretch. And you know, today, uh, Edmonton Oilers didn't have a single skater who was 30 years old. Right, because well, Sam, Gagne, Sam Gagne sat out, and of course Neil and and Russell are injured, and so their veteran skater today was Alex Chason, born in 1990. Like they didn't have a single guy other than the rested Mike Smith, who, you know, was an older veteran trying to trying to play, play two in a row. So that probably helped the energy level a little bit. Well, maybe that's why they can win back to back games this year with this possibility. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone studied that age of lineup and winning back-to-back games, but and, and you know the young the, the the young players today. I don't think they're quite like you know the the uh, party animals that, that uh, young people used to be at you know back in the 1980s, and um, I, I suspect that the players are really monitoring their sleep and eating well and doing all these things and and are good to go. Maybe uh, who, so who knows? But that I, that thought crossed my mind. That this is a young team, and maybe that's related to their success in this pretty impressive record in back-to-back games amazing and they awesome. got a number of they got three more coming up i think uh, uh, i think there's the two end. left i think there's eight there's this two year. okay yeah. so they won the first six so unreal like that's a great great uh feat for any team all righty so next game is um mcdavid last last podcast bruce i was making my crazy prediction that i'm i remember i had a i had a premonition mcdavid might come back sooner than later and we might get some good news on that mainly because we hadn't had any bad news and he's young and he's healthy and it and it didn't sound horrible so we'll see maybe he'll i don't know if he'll be back for wednesday night's game against uh who's that boston boston game against boston it's a tough one 
And then they have a game Friday against some, they play Friday. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him Friday. Fingers crossed. I mean, that would be about two weeks, right? From the time he got injured. If it's Friday. Uh, yeah, he got hurt on a uh, Saturday night game. Yeah. Against Nashville. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, TSN Edmonton Bureau Chief Ryan Rashog was uh, tipping off by. the uh, the fact that he might be back sooner than later, which is music to all of our ears. Yeah, well, he wants to get back and join this great team. <laughs> While he's been out, the Oilers scored 14 goals, and Leon Drysaddle has 10 points. So uh, he left the team in good hands, at least for the short-term uh, situation, but you don't want that term to stretch any further than it has to. MVP, MVP. Well, McDavid wants to come back and rest that scoring title, so he's got lots of motivation now. To, he's got a lot of work to do now. <laughs> he sure does. Holy crap. Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks right. for talking tonight. Back to the grades I go. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this is